you so much for your giving, for being obedient to the Lord, ministering to him on this special Sunday. How many of you feel like we're just standing on holy ground this morning? I don't know about you, but I sense an awesome presence in this place today. How wonderful it is that we can gather like this to worship him on this special Sunday and to just celebrate who he is and what he is. Thank you for being here. I trust you'll make a special effort to be back tonight for the Christmas play. All you have to do is look around and see that a lot of work and a lot of effort has gone into this. And I trust that you'll come and let's take advantage of what is being offered. Let's take advantage of uh, another special time together, not only here in the Christmas play, but then as we go to the fellowship hall for a little bit of time out fellowship. So make a special effort to be here if you possibly can. And let me remind you that we are going to go ahead with our Wednesday night service this week. So I trust that you will be here for that. Uh, folks, we're, we're, we're covering some, some material that every one of you need to hear. And I trust that you'll just make a special effort to be here Wednesday night for that and come just expecting the Lord to do some great and mighty things. And then next Sunday morning, as we've said, we're only going to have, and I say only, I don't mean to play that down in any way, but we're going to have a special communion service at 1030. That service should not last more than an hour, so please take uh, that hour out of your Christmas Day schedule. I know there'll be a lot going on, but if you're here in town and you can possibly come, what better way to celebrate Christmas Day than to gather around the Lord's table and commemorate why he really came. Uh, you know, doing Christmas gifts is all right and all the stuff we do for Christmas, that's great. I think it's wonderful. I've always looked forward to it and still do. But how many of you know it's not really about any of that? As wonderful as family is and giving gifts and all of that is, the beautiful decorations and all of the Christmas is not about that. It's about the one that was put in that manger over 2,000 years ago, the one that came to redeem us, the one that came to set us free, <laughs> the one that came to buy our redemption for us. That's what Christmas is really all about. That's what we're going to celebrate next Sunday morning in the communion service. So I really hope you'll make a special effort to be here for that special time. I believe it's going to be a special hour, and I trust that you will make the time to be here. I want to read just one verse this morning for our message today. It's found in the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. It's a very, very short verse, but I want to assure you it's a very powerful verse, and I hope you'll feel that and sense that by the time we finish this morning. Let me just offer a quick word of explanation. I know you were expecting Brother Jonathan to be here, and so was I. Uh, we, we were expecting him to be here, and believe me, he wanted to be here, but he called me, and he has been very, I say has been, I got a text from him yesterday. He's still very much 
feeling the effects of this flu epidemic. He's got a bad case of this flu and just could not be here today. So let's continue to remember Brother Jonathan in our prayers that the Lord will just give him that touch. And we look forward. I told him, well, maybe after the first of the year in January, you'll have a Sunday or two free and we can get you back again. And he promised he would do that if he gets a Sunday free. So let's just remember Brother Jonathan. And that explains why I'm up here this morning instead of him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let me read just one verse in your hearing this morning. And that is verse 15, the last verse of this chapter. The great apostle, I can just almost hear him crying out of his innermost being, crying out of his spirit, just, just almost wanting to shout this verse out. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let me just say that again one more time. Thanks be unto God. Don't you feel like just saying that this morning? Let's say that together. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about that unspeakable gift. I want to try to describe for you in some way and tell you about the unspeakable gift. Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege that we have to be in your house once again this morning. We thank you for your awesome presence that we feel. Lord, we just feel like we are standing on holy ground this morning. We just feel like the living Lord, the Christ of Christmas, that baby that came in a manger so long ago. We believe he's here in this building with us this morning. And we just want to praise you and thank you for what we feel and what we sense and what we believe you're going to do for us in these next few minutes. Lord, we just invite your presence into this place today and pray that in this next little while you will speak in a special way to each and every one of us. Anoint your servant now. Grant to me that anointing that makes preaching easy, that makes it powerful, that makes it effective. And we'll praise you for all that you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm sure that most of us understand that more than any other time of the year, Christmas is a time for giving. It is a time to give. It is a time for us to give something to those that are so special and even to our Lord himself. But I also don't have to remind you of how hectic these days can be. As we think about giving and all the gifts and everything we do, I don't have to tell you that it's really kind of a hectic time as we search and look for that perfect gift. How many of you ever just, just feel like sometimes you're almost at your wit's end? You, you, you're trying to find that special gift for that special somebody and you're looking and searching and uh, somehow just are struggling 
to find that special gift. But the truth of the matter is that we've learned across the years that search as we will, there really is no perfect gift. Have you ever given somebody something you had searched, you had looked, you just almost killed yourself to find it? And you wrap it up and you give it to them and you watch them as they unwrap it. And as they unwrap it, you can just look at their face and tell, huh, they ain't satisfied with that. <laughs> now they'll look at you and say, thank you, sweetheart. But they'll look at you and say, thank you, dear. But you feel like going on just slapping them. Because <laughs> you know after all you put into <laughs> After all you put into that and after all you did, in the end, there really is no perfect gift. There really is not. But I say that, but then I turn right around and say, but from the pages of this sacred volume, I do read of what the Apostle Paul called an unspeakable gift. <laughs> I read from the sacred volume about one that the great apostle called the unspeakable gift. A gift so precious and so wonderful that no words can properly express its greatness. No mind can really conceive of its worth. No language can really describe its value. The Apostle Paul tried as he may. He thought about it and he, and, he, and he wanted to express it in some way. And finally, the Apostle Paul just declared he is an unspeakable gift. Now the word that Paul uses there, that word unspeakable, it literally means that which cannot be fully declared and that which is unutterable. That's what that word means. That which cannot be fully explained or declared and that which is literally unutterable, unspeakable. So something that the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm gonna say it this way, but I really don't know how to say it. It's so great. It's so wonderful a gift. It's so marvelous a gift that I really am not sure I know how to explain it. You'll remember here that Paul is writing to the Corinthians concerning a special collection that is being made for the poor and the afflicted Christians in Judea. But as his mind begins to dwell on the generosity that ought to flow out of the Christian life. As, as he challenges the church to give their best and, and, and reminds them of the generosity that ought to flow out of us, as he does that, he suddenly remembers the greatest gift that this old world has ever received. As he, as he challenges them to bring their gifts, he suddenly remembers the greatest gift that man has ever seen and that man has ever received. And so he cries out, thanks be unto God 
for his unspeakable gift. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's just what I feel like just saying over and over this morning. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God. Let me say it one more time. For his unspeakable gift. Now I want to suggest to you that that word that Paul uses here is a word that he chose very carefully. When he talks about that unspeakable gift, he's chosen his words very carefully because the truth of the matter is that this is the only place in all of the New Testament that you will find that word. It's the only place in the whole New Testament that any of the writers dared to use the word about him unspeakable. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable. What a word that is. A word that is not even repeated again in the New Testament. What he's telling us here is that this gift that God gave the world 2,000 years ago is, a, is the supreme superlative gift. It is a gift that is utterly unspeakable. Paul is simply saying, how do I describe it? How do I tell it? How do I speak about it to make you understand how special this gift is? Thanks be unto God, he says, for this unspeakable gift. Now, why would he use a word like this? Why, when Paul wanted to tell us about this gift, why would he choose a word like this? What is it that makes him so unspeakable? I mean, there's a lot of good words you could use about that baby in the manger. That there's a lot of vocabulary that you could use to try to describe him. But what is it about him that makes him so marvelous and so wonderful that the apostle would say, it's just unspeakable. I just don't know how to explain it. I, I just don't know how to tell it. I just don't know how to describe it. It is, he is unspeakable. Why would he use a word like that? I believe he uses it for three reasons. I want to give them to you right quickly this morning. I believe he says it first of all because of who he is. He is unspeakable. It is an unspeakable gift because of who that baby is. Who is this unspeakable gift? Who is it, preacher? I'll tell you who it is. Well, no, let me let John the Baptist tell you who it is. You know how John the Baptist described him? He said, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son <laughs> that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Wow, what a statement. Let me say it one more time. For God so loved this world. You know what he said? He so loved you 
He so loved me. That's what Paul is saying. He so loved us that he gave us his only begotten son that we need not perish but have everlasting life. Do you understand that we were perishing? Do you understand that we had no hope? Do you understand that we did not have a chance, that we, we, we were just in something we couldn't get out of, but God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what makes him unspeakable. It is because of who he is. Do you understand what I'm telling you? When God decided to give this sin-sick world a gift, an unspeakable gift, you know what he did? He wrapped his only son. I want you to think about it. I want this to sink in. He wrapped his only son in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. I, I, I want you to really personalize that this morning. When God got ready to give you an unspeakable gift, and I'll tell you more about that gift as we go along here in the next few minutes. When God got ready to give you and me that gift, you know what he did? He took his only son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, knowing that that was ultimately going to mean something we'll talk about in just a little bit. That's, what he, that's how much he loves you this morning. He took his only son. I want to ask you this morning, if you only had one of your children, just one, and somebody said to you, I want that child, we're going to have to kill him. We're going to have to kill him. How many of you would be willing to say, oh, sure, here. You understand that's what God did for you and for me? He took his only son and wrapped him in swaddling. <laughs> wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger knowing what was ultimately going to happen to him before he left this world again to go back to the Father. That's what God did for you. Folks, I, I, I really want, I want this to sink into you this Christmas. That's what he did for you and for me. Do you understand that? That's what makes him an unspeakable gift. He is an unspeakable gift because of who he was and is. God wrapped him in, in human flesh and swaddling clothes and put him in a manger in Bethlehem. And when he did that night, you know what he did? He gave to you and me the most precious thing that he had. That is the most precious thing 
that God Almighty had was his own, only begotten son. And you know what he did? He gave him to you. 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 And he gave him to me. And that's what makes him an unspeakable gift. <laughs> the thing that makes him an unspeakable gift is who he is. God's only son. I hope for the rest of this Christmas season, every time you look at a manger scene, every time you look at, I hope you look at that baby, not as just a baby boy. Not as just somebody in a manger. But I hope you'll look at him and remember, that is God's only son. And he gave him for me. He gave him for me. That's what makes him unspeakable, who he is. The second thing that makes him unspeakable is what he did. What he did when he came. That's the second thing that makes him unspeakable. It's not just who he is, but it's what he did after he got here. Can I suggest two things there to you? First of all, I believe he came to be with us. I believe he came to be with us. The sacred writer says in another place that his name is Emmanuel. And you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. <laughs> his name is Emmanuel. And that means God with us. In other words, God sent his only begotten son, his only son to be with us. Do you understand? He is with you today if you'll let him be. He is with you. He is near you. He is around you. He is with us. Oh, I wish we could get a hold of that. He is with us. You know, you would think, would you not, that such an unspeakable gift would have been what? Born in a palace. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you think that God, God, God's only son coming here, wouldn't you think he would have been born in a palace? Wouldn't you think he would have been accompanied by pomp and circumstance? Wouldn't you think that he would have been robed in satin and purple? Wouldn't you think that he would have been reared in royalty in a palace somewhere? But instead, you know what God did? God let him be conceived in the womb of a peasant Jewish girl. Just a little peasant. She wasn't anybody. She had no title. She, she, she was just a little peasant Jewish girl getting ready to get married. One day an angel appeared to her and said, Blessed art thou among women. For you're going to conceive and you're going to bring forth an unspeakable gift. <laughs> This little girl, this little Jewish girl, this nobody, this nobody gave birth 
to a little baby in a stable, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, and God sent a band of dirty shepherds to welcome him into the world. You know, if you put all that together, what it's simply saying, what it's really saying is he came to be with us. How many of you know if he came to be born in the palace, he was born in a palace and all that stuff I just described, he couldn't be with me and you. You can't get near anybody in a palace. How many times you see in TV sometime when the king or the queen of England or somebody like that shows up, all the but but you can't really get near to boy. They got they got guards. They got I mean you got to keep a distance, honey, from the, her that queen or that king. You got to keep a distance. How many of you know that baby in a manger, born to a little peasant Jewish girl, attended that night by dirty, filthy shepherds? who came right out of the field with the smell of sheep upon them. That is, that's what makes him an unspeakable gift, not only who he was, but what he came for and what he came to do. He came, first of all, to be with us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's with us. He's with us. Do you understand that? You understand that? He is with us. I want you to walk out of here today understanding he is with you. He is with us. That's what makes him such an unspeakable gift. You understand what I'm just, I've just told you? God's son is with us. He is with us. He's not some distant somebody off in a palace He's not some distant somebody way off in la-la land. He is with us. He is with us. And the best part of this thing is he's still with us today. He didn't just come in a manger. He didn't just come like that. But do you understand he is with us today? Do you understand he walks the busy streets of time with us? Do you understand that he, that, that he understands our toil and our stress? Do you understand? Do you know he understands you when you're just wore out and you're stressed beyond measure? He's right there. He understands it. He feels it with you. He is with us. He understands our stress. He feels our pain and our suffering. You understand? He feels your pain when you're sick and you're hurting and you're laying there thinking nobody cares. No, no, no. He is with us. He is with you. He is with us. He is with us. He sees our tears. He knows our disappointments. He's not only with us, but can I tell you something else? And this is another thing that makes him unspeakable. Not only the fact that he is with us, but he also came to take our place. He is not only with us, he came to be with us, but he also came to take our place. Do you understand that sin had marked and marred the human race? 
And the righteousness of God demanded that atonement has to be made for sin. Sin was such an awful thing, God demanded that atonement has to be made. If me and man's gonna be reconciled, if we're gonna be able to get back together, somehow atonement has to be made. For we are sinners. I know, I know, you know, you hold that precious little baby that was born, that cute little thing, that, that, you, you, you think, mom, but do you know, he, he ain't nothing but a sinner. She's nothing but a lost sinner. That's what we were. I say were because I hope most of us in this building aren't anymore. That's what we were. We, 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 we were sinners and God's righteousness demanded that atonement be made. In other words, the stain of sin is so horrible that atonement has to be made. It's a, sin is such a dreadful thing that blood has to be shed. Sin is such an awful thing that the only way we could be reconciled to God and God could be reconciled to us is that blood had to be shed. And you know whose blood that was going to be? Yours and mine. We're the sinners. You're the sinner. Do you understand that if that baby hadn't come, it's your blood. It's my blood. We're the ones that would have had to have died and paid. We, we would have come to the end of our life without hope, without anything, but died in our sin. Somebody had to pay the price. Blood had to be shed. You and I were going to have to die. But, God's unspeakable gift came and took our place. God's unspeakable gift. That's why Paul says he's unspeakable because he came and took my place and your place and now if we'll accept him and we'll believe it, we don't have to die like that. We don't have to die like that. We don't have to die like that. Can you imagine the unspeakable sorrow of the father and the pain and the suffering of his son? Can you imagine how the father felt as he watched the price his son paid and what his son went through to redeem us? Can you imagine as he saw them strip almost all of his clothes off of him? Take that Roman whip that cat of nine tails, the leather straps, and on the end of each strap, they say was a little metal hook, and they'd come down across your back and then rake it across your back, and those little hooks would tear the flesh. Can you imagine God the Father watching those Roman soldiers beat him like that? His only son beat him and scratched across his back and smacked him, slammed that crown of thorns on his head, and throw that cross across his shoulder and march him up to Calvary. And there put him on that cross and nailed the spikes in his hands and in his feet and raised him between heaven and earth. 
Can you imagine the father watching that done to his only son? No wonder Paul said he is an unspeakable gift. How do you describe that? How do you tell that? How do you describe what he went through? How do you describe what it cost the father to send us that little baby in the manger? No wonder Paul says, he is, he is an undescribable, an unspeakable gift. He's an unspeakable gift because of who he is, and he's an unspeakable gift because of what he did. He is with us. He has come to redeem us. He has bought us with his own blood. Thirdly, and I'm finishing, he's, because, he's unspeakable because of the results of what he did. He's unspeakable because of the results of what he did. What were those results, Pastor? Let me use the words of the songwriter to tell you. The songwriter said, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Just let that sink in this morning. There is a fountain filled with good, fresh, clean drinking spring water. No, no, no. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. They drew that blood out of his back and out of his brow and out of his feet and out of his hands and out of his body. They drew that blood out that day they crucified him. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Watch this. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. <laughs> sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I don't care how guilty you are or were. Some of us were because we've already plunged beneath that fountain. There may be some in here this morning that you still are. How wonderful it is to know we can come to that fountain and he will wash all <coughs> our sins away. You say, but Brother Marley, you don't know what I did. You, you, you don't know what I've done. You, 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 I, I, it doesn't matter. If you've been to that fountain <coughs> and you've let him wash you in that fountain, you've let him put you in that fountain, and you've let him wash you in that fountain of blood, it doesn't matter what you've done. You're clean. You're innocent. You're free. And that's why he is an unspeakable gift. That's why he is not because he can wash my sins away. He can wash your sins. <laughs> well, go. I feel like just running a while. 
He's washed my sins away. He's washed your sins away if you've come and asked him. If you've been to him, he's washed your sins away. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you were. I don't care how nasty you were. If you plunge beneath that fountain, he's washed your sins away. He's washed your sins away. Hallelujah. That's what makes him an unspeakable gift. He has bought for us forgiveness of our sins. We can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to God. We can be justified. You know what that word justified means? It means just as if. Justified means it's just as if I never sinned. I got some things in my past I wouldn't want you to know about. But I can stand here before you this morning just as if none of it ever happened. <laughs> Glory to God. Just as if. That's what that word justified means. It means just as if. It never happened. That's what he did. That's why he came. He came to take our place. He came that we might be justified. We are restored to sonship in the family of God. Do you understand? We've been put into the family of God. If you know him, if you've been washed in that blood, you've been put into the family. You've been put in the family. He has given us the pledge of immortality and eternal glory. That's what makes him an unspeakable gift. Now may I mention one other thing as we close. When I think about this gift and everything I've tried to do to describe it to you, I'm reminded in the end that when somebody offers you a gift, you have two choices. When somebody offers you, when somebody brings to you and says, I want to give this to you, you have two choices. You can, if you choose to, receive that gift. That's what gifts are really meant for. Gifts are really meant to be received eagerly, immediately, and gratefully. That's what a gift is really for. If I walked up to you on your way out this morning, I said, here, I've got something for you. You know what that gift is for? You, you know what all that, you just ought to receive it gladly. You ought to receive it with just, maybe even hugging my old dirty neck. That's what gifts are for. That's what gifts are for. And that's what you can do when this gift is offered. You can receive it. Or you can refuse that gift. You can say, no, no, I know. Thank you, thank you, but I, I, I just... I, or you look and you see what I've got in my hands and you say, you know, I really, I really don't need that. That's what you can do to a gift. You don't absolutely have to receive it. 
You see, a gift is never really forced upon the recipient. If I offer you that, you, you, I'm not going to force you to take it. I'm not going to force you to take it. A gift can be received or a gift can be refused. And only those that have received this gift can really understand what I've just spent 30 minutes preaching. If you've never received him, let him into your heart, you can't really fully understand what I've just spent 30 minutes trying to describe. You can't. The only way to fully understand what I've just been saying is to receive him, to know him, to have him with you. Remember, he is with us. He is with us. He is with us. I feel him on this platform this morning. I know some of you feel him back there where you are. He is with us. And you can either receive this gift or you can reject this gift. Would you stand with me, please? You have a choice to make this morning. You can either receive this gift reject him. You can either receive him into your heart, into your life, make him Lord of all, or you can reject him. Say, no, I'm, I'm going to keep living the way I've lived. I'm going to keep living the way I'm living. Your choice. It's your choice. Listen to this, and I'm finished. There are many people this week that are going to sing the songs of Christmas. They're going to gaze at the star. They're going to participate in pageants. They're going to think about wise men and shepherds. They're going to attend religious services. But they never will really understand any of it. And by early next week, after next Sunday, by early that next week, they basically will have forgotten. They basically, none of the joy, none, none, none of the beauty of Christmas, none of the, they will, it'll just be gone. Can I urge you this morning? Can I beg you this morning? If you're here in this service and 
you have never received him. Are you at home watching us by live stream? You've never received him. Right there in your living room or wherever you are, and right here in this auditorium, oh, hallelujah, you can receive this unspeakable gift. Can I tell you this morning? I'd like to give you, I can't give it, but I'm his representative, so I'll say it that way. I'd like to give you an unspeakable gift, a gift so wonderful, nobody knows how to describe it. Who can describe this baby in the manger? Paul says, he's so wonderful. He is an unspeakable I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Is there somebody in this building that you don't know him? You've never received him. You've never received the gift. You'd say, Brother Marley, on this Sunday as we get ready to go into Christmas week, I want to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given to anybody. I want to receive it. I wonder if you'd just step out from where you are right now. Come down here and let us have a prayer with you. Anybody in this building? Anybody in this building? You don't know him. You don't know him. You've never received him. You just come. Say, Brother Marley, I want to receive this gift. I want to receive this unspeakable gift. Would you step out right quickly? Anybody in this building? Anybody in this building? You just step out right quickly. I, I want to give you a moment to do it. I want to give you a moment to do it. I'm going to assume then that the rest of you know him that you have received this gift that you can walk out of here today truly knowing how to appreciate and how to receive the gift that he has given you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will satisfy that you will satisfy this heart, that you will speak clearly and plainly to him to know. Father, in the name of Jesus, in that name above every name, <laughs> that name above every name, that name above every name, Lord, will you touch, bless, and help today any person in this building that may not know you. And Lord, help the rest of us to walk out of here rejoicing over the unspeakable gift that we have been given in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Be back tonight for the Christmas drama.